Welcome to Motorcycle Madhouse Morning Mayhem. It is November 12th of 2020. Got a bunch of news for you going on today. First off, though, we want to send our uh, thoughts and prayers out to Dominic. As you know, uh, Dominic is a longtime listener, and he uh, has been with us a very long time, since almost the beginning of it. And we found out yesterday, I got a text from him, that he was involved in a motorcycle accident, motorcycle versus deer. Uh, he is doing all right. He is in the hospital right now uh, with some uh, busted up bones and uh, road rash and all that good stuff. He wanted me to send out uh, his uh, thanks to uh, Father Dennis, my fault, brain fart father dennis and he's actually a member of the warlocks motorcycle club he was up there with them all night long and also to all the uh first responders that came and helped him out uh i'm so glad that he's doing good because usually with deer versus motorcycle it does not come out good not come out good. I know where I live in uh, northern Illinois, we're in the country and stuff, and there's some roads at nighttime I won't even go on because, you know, you got all kinds of little critters and you got deers jumping out at you, especially when it comes to uh, when the, the corn's cut down and stuff. So be careful out there. It's that time of year. Uh, again, our thoughts and prayers are for uh, Dominic. I want to send a, a hey, Heidi Ho to all our Throttle Club members. Uh, great stuff going on with that. And I really appreciate the support becoming a part of the Throttle Club. Helps us out during these uh, times of uncertainty with a lot of platforms yesterday yes yesterday one of the videos that i did over on hollywood and china Dow with you know it was about racism in america you know the great divide well they jerked that one down right away you can see that one over on uh bit if you do not know our bit channel look in the description box because i'll be putting it right there for you to see it we're also on parlor our Twitter feed we are uh, using for the day's news going on over at HarleyLiberty.com. The stuff I didn't cover over here will uh, be over there. Plus, if you want to uh, check out HarleyLiberty.com, and uh, we're also airing this over there as well. It's just getting a sad state of affairs these times when you can't even speak anymore. Most of these platforms that we knew are now gone. They went woke, man. They went woke. You can't say nothing that is uh, controversial in their eyes without them hitting you. Today, we got uh, news up north in Canada and around the world, as, as well as Australia and the United States. Uh, there was a motorcycle accident out in Detroit. Uh, we'll talk about that one. Just a lot of stuff. And we're going to really center on this one video that I'm going to be showing you. American bikers, you need to watch out, man, because now they're actively running campaigns in Canada against clubs who sell support merchandise. They are using footage of somebody that bought a support wear, 
getting punched by, you know, the opposite team, as you would say. And they're saying that's why it's dangerous to wear support gear from motorcycle clubs or better as what they call them, motorcycle gangs. They are actively stepping up, not, over, not only in uh, Canada, but also Australia and now the United States. You would figure that in the United States, Leo would look on bikers a lot different now since a lot of them were out there uh, supporting the cops with the Blue Lives uh, Rally. Nothing ever changes, man, and people don't understand that. Now, I know there's a lot of, you know, diverse thinking in the lifestyle now, but one thing that always stays certain is you don't know how bad it gets until it happens to you. Nobody understands that. But on the other hand, you, you know, both sides of the story here, yeah, they're targeting clubs, but what are clubs doing that provoke them and the one example is going after supporters or people that buy support gear and that's one thing I talked about in the last episode was clubs are selling freaking support wear online and everywhere else it's like mini Walmarts with them now they don't know who's buying them and next thing you know this could have been an example in this video of somebody being nonchalant, not knowing what the hell's going on, walking into somebody else's territory, and then they get a beatdown. Not only does it bring the cops, then it brings, you know, resentment to motorcycle clubs. Because here's just an independent, or it might not even be a biker. They might not even ride. They just probably thought the shirt was cool. And they get beat up, and it don't look good on clubs. Do clubs realize that everybody's selling it on the internet now and they might not have any ties to the actual club? You know, that's one thing that's disconcerting about how everything's going down out on the streets is everything's just so screwed up and it's, you know, partly freaking the club's fault, man. You know, I'll be the first one to say that I will back MCs in a heartbeat as far as the rights and stuff. But when something goes down, and I know it's only, you know, certain individuals of a club. It ain't a whole club trying to do it. Most of a club, like I always say, is hardworking men. They go to work, provide for their families and stuff. But you have to start freaking saying, hey, you know, and I know the brotherhood part. But you have to, when you see something wrong, you got to take care of it, man. You know, because if not, these people call the cops. You know, that's just like that. Uh, there was an RC question that I posted over on HarleyLiberty.com about how motorci some motorcycle clubs are giving bikers a black eye. And I gave an example how an RC club went into a bar. Now, I guess that, and I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but anyway, I'll talk about it again. They went into a bar. There was a support club of a major dominant there. They were telling them to uh, take off their patch. And I guess it was a single piece patch. Had nothing to do with anything. It was nonchalant. And yeah, you're going to have people come back. Well, the color's this and color's that. Well, if you're going to go on that kick, man, 
then how do you go against the argument of motorcycle gangs being used? How do you go against that if you're throwing that color stuff out there? Street gangs are doing that crap, man. So are you trying to equate that? You know, that's just some to, out to some of the people who were bringing that up. Single patch, nonchalant. Next thing you know, Dominic comes in. There's words. Cops are called. Is it really worth going to freaking jail, man? There's been a lot of talk on the internet and a lot of YouTube channels as well as other platforms about patch policing. I just don't think it's worth it. I don't. Having a patch is one thing. Yeah, I get it. There, It's that gray area. But when you start going after supporters or people that are wearing support gear for a club that you don't like, I hate to say it. I really do. I hate to say it. But you are acting like a freaking gang at that point. It's either or, man. You want people to support you or you don't or you want to use that thinking that, hey, we don't care what you think. Well, again, until, you know, you need our help, then, you you know, you want to know what we think. But for somebody, to uh, a club to allow one of its members to hit somebody just because they're wearing the other team's support gear, I believe that's out of line, and that's what brings the cops' attention to you. Sometimes uh, clubs are their worst enemy. Worst enemy. And, I, and I'm talking from the other side of the angle here. Now, I know motorcycle clubs are going to have their angle, well, they should have known better, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, everybody's selling freaking support shirts all over the freaking internet. And now civilians are being uh, caught in between all this stuff. I get it. There's beefs all over the place and decades-long beefs. But you're bringing people in there that have no ideal and have... Uh, no part of any of that stuff. All you're doing is making enemies, if you ask me. But that's on you guys. Uh, you deal with it the way you're going to deal with it. Anyway, let's go over to the biker news right away. And then we'll come back with our final thoughts. Okay, here we go. Montreal Gazette. And we're actually going to do some history here. Because maybe a lot of people have... Well, they weren't even born at this time. And it's talking about a 1985 uh, incident. Former Hells Angels bunker in Sherbrooke could become part of a park. Sherbrooke has frozen the zoning of uh, the land where five biker gang members were executed in 1985 by a rival chapter. The city of Sherbrooke is using its regulatory power to freeze the zoning on land occupied by a former Hells Angels bunker to have the option of including it in a park already in the sector. A notice to that effect was adopted by Sherbrooke uh, City Council and zoning changes are expected to follow. The news was confirmed by City Councilor Evelyn Boudin who thinks the wooded sector around the bunker has the potential to be transformed into a public space. Any developer who tries to buy the land would have to deal with the possibility of an eventual zoning change. Until now, zoning uh, regulations allowed for residential construction at the site. Uh, the bunker was seized by police during Operation Shark 
in April of 2009, an act that was confirmed last April by the Supreme Court of Canada. The bunker, located in the borough of Lex Lexonville, is the last of those operated by the Hells Angels in Quebec not to have been demolished. The building was the site in the 1985 uh, execution of five Hells Angels members from a rival chapter. Now, those that don't know the history of this stuff, I'm going to read you an article again from Montreal Gazette so you can get what happened back in 85. It was a real tough time back in the 80s. A lot of people think it's bad now. No, it ain't bad now until you get it. The 80s and 90s were the worst. When news emerged about what happened on March 24th, 1985, inside the Hells Angel bunker on a wooded hill in the town next to Sherbrooke, uh, woke up to what the biker gang was capable of in this province. This by uh, Paul Cherry, and this was uh, written in March of 20 or March 24th, 2015. 30 years, and that's from the date of 2015. Uh, 30 years ago, the Hells Angels summoned five of their members to a quiet town in the eastern townships where they were slaughtered in one of the most notorious crimes committed in Quebec. And then it was in 2001 where, uh, when the Bandidos flipped up there and former, they were all massacred too. Uh, when news emerged about what happened on March 24th, 85, inside the Hells Angel bunkered on a wooded hill in the town next to Sherbrooke, woke up to what the biker gang was capable of as the bikers involved in the slayings were rounded up in the months that followed. It would have been easy to assume the gang was finished in the province. Only five ended up with life sentences for first-degree murder, about a dozen others who helped dispose of the bodies or get rid of evidence received lighter sentences. Uh, five members of the gang's now defunct Lavelle chapter, Guy, Lewis, or Chop. Uh, I'll just give the nicknames, it's easier. Brutus, Iglesias, uh, Willie uh, were gunned down inside the bunker. At least two other members of the Lavelle chapter were supposed to be killed that day as well. But they failed to show up for the meeting. A six-man linked to the Lavelle chapter. Prospect Claudie uh, Roy was killed two weeks later by a Hell's Angel. Uh, according to the testimony later heard during a coroner's inquest, 41 members of the gang's Montreal, Sherbeck, and Halifax chapters were present in Lexingville when the men were slaughtered. I know it was 1985, but people hearing it now in modern times, they'll look back and say, damn, man, well, that is some gangster stuff, man. Let's not, uh, you know, sugarcoat <laughs> that. The bodies were dumped in a river wrapped in sleeping bags and weighed down by cinder blocks and weights. Uh, the slaughter came to be known as the Lexicville uh, Purge, and instead of signaling uh, the beginning of the end of the gang's presence, it uh, became stronger in the years that followed. Uh, a reporter said it was easy for the public to assume and uh, as arrests were being made, the gang's history in Quebec would be short. Uh, the gang's first chapter in Canada, Montreal, was chartered in 77, and its members set up a bunker in Sorel. 
Instead of being its downfall, the purge helped set the template for what was to come and helped turn the gang into the, one of the most powerful criminal organizations in Quebec. He also uh, covered other cases where the police rounded up large numbers of Hell's Angels, notably in Operation Springtime 2001 and 2009. Quote, and this is in 1985, at that moment, the Hells Angels were doing a cleanup to become a real criminal organization. Before that, they were disorganized and unruly. They were like a street gang. After 1982, they really started to organize themselves. The cleanup came in 85. Uh, by 85, the Hells Angels had become partners with other criminal organizations, including the West End Gang and the Mafia. Those groups were more businesslike and expected the same from their associates. As the stakes got higher and the Hells Angels became involved in multi-million dollar drug deals, there was little room for sloppiness. Uh, Sadelit, who is retired, said he was the first reporter to do a story explaining the motive behind the purge. It involved a Hells complicated debt the Hells Angels Montreal and Lavelle chapters owed to the West End gang leader Frank Peter Ryan, but it has also involved the Montreal's chapter growing resentment over how some members of the Lavelle chapter were constantly partying, consuming cocaine they were supposed to sell, and how they didn't fit in to the plans the gang had for the future. That's gangster stuff right there. Uh... The Laval guys weren't following the steps the others were taking. They fit the traditional image of bikers. They were always partying, always high on cocaine. It was going against the new philosophy of the Hell's Angels. Uh, this is an updated uh, picture of the Laval chapter. If you're over on, what's it called, the radio platforms, come on over to YouTube and uh, Facebook. You can see it. Uh, Five of its members killed, uh, again, this is uh, as of 2015, 30 years ago, uh, was the purge. But there are some of the guys, uh, five of them, it looks like, were killed in this. The five who ended up with life sentences for the six murders have all since been granted parole. But they each took their own paths to get there. Uh, but this is uh, a little background on that massacre that happened. It's no joke. Now, let's go to this video I was talking about here. Uh, it's starting off by saying the following footage is of a biker rally where a person wearing sport gear of an outlaw motorcycle gang. And it's giving close-ups right now of members of the outlaws, and then it's doing Red Devil Sells Angels. And this is from uh, the Ontario Provisional Police. And now it's got it centered. When you purchase support gear of Outlaw Motorcycle Games, you put yourself at risk. And it's showing, uh, you know, a supporter getting hit. And it ends up with saying, know who to support. So, they're out there, and, I, uh, and I'm guessing that my Canadian listeners can tell us, you know, how bad it is with the uh, propaganda police are putting out against clubs. And do you think they deserve it? Now, as an American, I cannot. T I, all I can do is go off of what's being said. 
in the news, and sometimes you can't even trust the news. So I'll depend on you to say just how bad it is up there. And if you can take a middle-of-the-road approach and gives the pros of the cons, or why do you think that Leo's doing that when they have the evidence showing what happens? You know, there's three sides of the story. I know that, but give me yours. Now, let's go over to the Victor Harbor Times for a good one. More than $15,000 has been raised by the Mud and Tars Motorcycle Club for cancer. That is freaking awesome, man. There are sporting clubs that work hard to just survive raising funds for the costs that are associated with running their respective organizations but then there are clubs such as the mud and tars motorcycle club that continue to not just raise funds for its members racetracks and facilities but to also give money to a foundation that does so much for the community the mud and tars motorcycle club held its annual poker run on saturday november 7th and with more than 80 taken part it raised in excess of fifteen thousand dollars that's no freaking uh jump change right there uh 80 motorcyclists traveled the length and breadth of uh florio to raise money for a worthy local cause at the end of the journey a special presentation was made by the mud and tars motorcycle club president wade sweet the Cancer Support Foundation at the Royal Family Hotel in Port Elliot of a, uh, a mock check for fourteen five, with uh, more funds to roll in from the sponsorship and T-shirts. The number is certain to grow beyond fifteen thousand. You know that's why I really love the Toys for Tots season because I always say it. I love seeing how bikers are giving back to the community. And getting at least some recognition, you know, it always gets uh, blunted by Leo where they say they use that as a front and all that type of stuff. But we all know the way it is, man. Uh, quote, we had more than 100 sponsors. That's no joke right there either, which was a record for our annual poker run event. We would like uh, thank all those sponsors, in particular Kenneth Builders, who are a our gold sponsor. We received a great response from sponsors and our members from or for the poker run, and we all had a great time doing it. Great stuff, guys, man. Uh, that's some awesome stuff. Uh, the Mud and Tars Motorcycle Club, 15000 for uh, Cancer Foundation. Now, yes, the government's involved. We've covered this one a million times. WBTW. A hearing is now set to revoke Myrtle Beach area biker bars alcohol license for concerts during the pandemic order. If you guys are in Myrtle Beach, make sure you get to this hearing. Enough is enough. Right now in Illinois, everybody's freaking starving because, you know, we got the most cases going on again. And you can guarantee that they're going to stop everything. I know in Wisconsin... He's got a stay-at-home plea, but it'll turn into an order. Uh, and if uh, Biden gets in, you're looking at national mask mandates and stuff. Uh, man. Merle's Inlet. 
A popular biker bar in the Myrtle Beach area now has a court date for its battle to keep a state liquor license. In the meantime, Suck, Bang, and Blow is operating as, a, as normal while remaining compliant with all guidelines. A hearing has been set with the SC Administrative Law Court in Columbia on February 10th. Again, February 10th. When the South Carolina Department of Revenue will try to permanently revoke the bar's alcohol license. So basically put a small business out of business and all the employees out of work. You know what? That's why people can't stand when the government gets involved in crap. I don't even, you know what? Uh, that liquor license stuff, all it is is a racket. Uh, SCDOR has the authority to suspend or revoke licenses of businesses that knowingly permit criminal acts or acts that constitute a public nuisance. How is it a criminal act when the legislature didn't make it a law? Just because the governor says so? You know, that's... I really wish that the public would understand how the government operates. The different branches of the government, all that stuff. Oh, let's see here. The agency determined the bar repeatedly operated in violation of the executive order during the pandemic, and that constitutes a public nuisance. <laughs> so, operating a business, giving people jobs to have a livelihood is a public nuisance. Uh, documents obtained by News 13, uh, they claim Suck, Bang, Blow operated in violation of executive order. Executive order. <laughs> During Myrtle uh, Beach bike rally. They show between the time of the 27th and the 2nd, when the executive order was rescinded, the bar advertised about 40 live music events. Uh, they specifically mention a Bone Thugs and Harmony concert on the 18th. Uh, on the 18th, closed non-essential businesses and classified concert venues, adult entertainment, and nightclubs as non-essential. But here in Illinois and others, weed was an essential business dispensaries. You, you figure. Uh, I know South Carolina don't have that, but it's what they think is essential, right? Man. Unreal. Uh, back over to Australia. Another three people have been charged with attempted murder after a bikey was allegedly shot in the act of revenge in Melbourne's northeast. Now, I believe this is, yeah, it has to do with the Mongols. Uh, the two men aged 28 and 29 and 30 year old woman have been charged with a raft of offenses, including attempted murder over their alleged involvement in last year's shooting of Rocco Kura. The Mongols' bikey, then 31, was allegedly shot four times in the head and chest while sitting in a parked car in residential Bulling Street on August. He survived after one of the bullets from his brain was removed during emergency surgery. Echo Task Force detective charged 11 people over the shooting, including two men aged 24 and 26, accused of opening fire on Mr. Kura. At a bail hearing for the 26-year-old in April, the Bel Melbourne Magistrates Court was told the shooting was allegedly an act of retribution by Finks. 
It followed an incident at Fountain Gate Bar in July where a man wearing a Mongols gang jumper damaged a television. Uh, on Tuesdays, officer raided properties. Uh, then it goes in, you know, rest of the stuff. But that's, uh, again, out of Australia. Sad state of affairs. I don't care what you work for. Two women uh, motorcyclists were involved in a serious crash uh, in Detroit, killing one of them. The other is in a hospital in critical condition. Uh, Detroit uh, police say two women ages 53 and 46 were in separate motorcycles. A motorcyclist dies in a violent crash early this morning on Detroit's west side. And right now, a second motorcyclist involved is fighting for her life. Detroit police have the driver responsible in custody. Fox News' Ingrid Kelly with more. A broken glass skid marks the scene of a tragedy on Schaefer in Detroit. This is where it happened. And, you know, I got to soak it in as she's really gone. This man had to see the scene in person. He does not want to be identified, but tells Fox 2 his stepmother, Verlinda Winston, was killed here as she was riding her motorcycle oh, on Schaefer just before 1 a.m. Tuesday morning. I've been dev devastated. Um, Heart is broken, man. Verlinda worked as a probation officer, but had discovered a passion for motorcycles. She got into that a couple years ago. You know, joined a bike club. Um, some she was, she really, she really was into. Like you know, they loved her over there. Verlinda and another woman operating a separate motorcycle were hit by a 25-year-old man driving a silver Chevy Impala. 53-year-old Verlinda killed. The other motorcyclist, a 46-year-old woman, rushed to a nearby hospital for treatment. So as they pulling out, the Impala is speeding down the street, crashes right into them. Police are still investigating, but tell Fox 2 that the driver approached a line of motorcyclists that included the two women. But the driver told investigators that when he applied his brakes, he had brake failure, a claim police continue to investigate. The suspect was taken into custody and investigators are calling on all witnesses to speak up and call police. As Verlinda's stepson tries to process this tragedy, he finds comfort in realizing how she impacted his life. She took me in and did everything for me to make sure you know, I had a good future. She made me, she made sure I, I went to college. I'm a college graduate, uh, me and my stepbrother and her son. And as police continue searching for answers, this man will continue to honor his stepmother. I'm continue to make all the right decisions, make me proud. In Detroit. There you go. Sad state of affairs right there, man, with an accident like that. All accidents are terrible on a motorcycle. Uh, hopefully the other one involved in this uh, makes it through. Corey Graff's wall of shame. Here we go. LAPD officer arrested for allegedly stealing a vehicle from a used car dealership. Here. Him of stealing a pickup truck from a dealership. KKL 9 Orange County reporter Michelle Geely live in Orange with video of the officer allegedly caught in the act. Michelle. One that's right. The truck was taken from this small lot more than a year ago, but it wasn't until recently that Orange police say they got a tip that the alleged thief was a person who wore a uniform and a badge. You know, he's he's going straight for the truck, and that was the funny thing is he knew exactly where it was at. This is security video from B&J Car Company of the man they say stole a $29,000 truck off their lot in the city of Orange in 2019. 
Monday night, more than a year later, Orange police arrested their suspect, Los Angeles police officer Matthew Paul <laughs> Cairos. Our investigation led us to believe it was a current LAPD officer. We worked and had cooperation with LAPD who helped us out. We went there last night and arrested him and recovered the stolen truck as well. Manager Gino Gonzalez remembers helping the man who wore a Dodger cap in a county that for the most part roots for the Angels. And I told him, hey, I go, I got another fellow buddy that bleeds blue. Little did I know how blue he really was. Officials <laughs> say Cairos is a veteran officer of at least 20 years who was taken into custody at the end of his shift at the Hollenbeck Division. Court records show that he filed for bankruptcy earlier this year. The LAPD statement says the Los Angeles Police Department became aware of this investigation in late September and fully cooperated with the Orange Police Department. Officer Cairos has been assigned home and his peace officer powers suspended pending the outcome of both investigations. It's troublesome. I mean, you figure there's a lot of criminals out there and uh, you never would think that, you know, an officer of law that's hired to, you know, to check our wall of shame out, you know, would be doing stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just walks in there and steals the sucker. <laughs> My question is, how the hell did he get away with it a year driving a sucker around unless he revend it? Uh, let's go over to the uh, Laredo. Officer Brian Vichelli will be placed on administrative assignment uh, because of a DUI or DWI. We call them DUIs here. An officer with the Laredo Police Department is caught on the wrong side of the law. He, he was arrested, charged with DWI. It happened on November 7th at 5 a.m. when officers received a call regarding a person asleep at the wheel. According to the reports, the driver inside a gray Silverado appeared to be asleep. Officers arrived and determined the driver was an off-duty LPD officer. As a result, he was uh, detained for suspension of drunk driving. Well, he wasn't driving. He was sleeping it off. You know, that could be a freaking uh, defense right there. Uh, so he was uh, booked and later remanded uh, to the Webb County Jail. Uh, he is uh, placed on administrative assignment pending the outcome of his case, both criminally and internally. And there's your uh, biker news right there for today, man. Let's uh, take a little break. Get your most unbiased and trusted biker news now at HarleyLiberty.com. Founded in 2012, Insane Throttle Biker News has been the place that all bikers come for what's happening in the scene. Go over now and bookmark HarleyLiberty.com. Rock on. Okay, welcome back. Hey, don't forget to subscribe and like the video if you're over on YouTube and uh, Facebook. And you can take us with you every morning to work. Or you can listen to us at work. All you have to do is uh, pull us up on your favorite podcast uh, platform like Spotify and iTunes. And you listen to us. Also, if you want to join the Throttle Club, all you have to do is hit... The join button over on YouTube. So, what do you guys think about some of the history up in Canada, man? It's not uh, no joke up there. Not no joke. And it's actually, it still goes on there. Australia, he, here in the United States. Here in the United States. Uh, so, but I really would like to hear your thoughts as far as 
what you think about the policy of the cops actually running these campaigns. I could, you know what? It's like, damn, man, is that something that's going to be heading here to the United States after all this? And I know the police are doing it, especially out in New Jersey, man. They went all hauls balls on that stuff. We've seen a lot of that uh, happening in there, uh, especially during that uh, the crime commission's uh, trial on, uh, well, not trial, but uh, hearing on the pagans, how they're growing, that whole you know, that whole thing. We covered it a million times. Uh, so I guess it is starting here in the United States pretty bad, but I never thought they'd actually pay and put it on the airwaves, something like that. You know, that was like a public service announcement or something. So give us your thoughts on that, Canada. Let me know and try to be, you know, down the middle. Give both sides of uh, your opinion on that. I know it's hard to do. Trust me, I do it all the time. And do I get the headaches for it, man? Uh, but I I think that's the the best way you can present news is to try to stay down the middle and make sure people know that the opinions you give are just your opinions. They need to research on their own the story. You know, I can give you what's going on out there, but you got to research it. You know, because sometimes I'm biased. I, I'll admit it 100%. I've been uh, keeping that in check, though, where I stay down the middle and don't break that path anymore. I'll give MC sides, then I'm going to give independent uh, bikers and citizens their side of the story. Uh, and I I even think, you know, with the Leo, I've been giving their side, too. Well, you know, if I haven't, you know, maybe that is because I'm biased against them. Uh, but... Let me know what you guys think about it. It's all being handled right now on the show. And that's a lot of stuff that uh, the Throttle Club uh, is going to be talking about is how things are handled on the news, what can be better, get uh, fans and uh, subscribers freaking input to try to make the show better. Because we're all in this together. This ain't just, yeah, I'm a guy at the mic on a radio show. But it takes everybody to make things a lot better, uh, especially when it comes, you know, like I said, you don't know what profiling is until you get hit with it. But we want that to stop. So we all got to come and say, okay, what is the problem why police are stopping everybody all the time? Why are they violating our rights? Why are they violating our rights, the free association, that whole nine yards? It takes a big discussion and for parties to actually accept responsibility and to stop it once they know what's wrong for everything to change. You know, you can have independents doing their best like ABATE and Motorcycle Rights Foundation, the American Motorcycle Association doing their best, but if the clubs ain't doing their part, then it's quite it's kind of a wash, you know. You got all that work out there with these biker rights organizations and it's getting pushed down the road because of a few people and the club's not taking care of that problem and it makes everybody look bad. So next thing you know, you got hog members, you got abate members being profiled, being pulled over. 
one good thing about that is they get to understand what profiling is. I remember doing that one story where, you know, I think it was a doctor or something. He got profiled just because he uh, was riding a motorcycle or something, he said. So they get to know the way it is. But it takes everybody to come together, and that's what the Throttle Club is all about, uh, especially the Zoom uh, conference calls that's going to be coming up. That's what it's about, man. And discussing, uh, you know, fun stuff as well. So don't forget to uh, visit me over at the Hollywood and China Dow Show. You got to get over there and like, subscribe, and all that good stuff to the channel. Uh, only bad thing was yesterday one of our videos got jerked again. You can go over to BitChute. Uh, we are on Parlor as well. And it, you know what? It's like a breath of fresh air, not having to worry if you say something wrong, you say something right, and it's still going to get taken down. So is what it is. Don't forget to visit HarleyLiberty.com. Really appreciate uh, all the support. I'll see you on the next segment.